Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Here's the vision that I got when it came to preparing this message. I saw like the Holy Spirit as a defibrillator. You know, the thing that has to jack people back to life. It says, clear, I see this as a moment where God is going to do something new. I believe He is in the process of bringing an awakening and an activation to your life, to my life, to His church. And if God is up to something new, here is something that I have learned. A new work requires... A new way. Jesus actually said this in this most beautiful piece of scripture in the book of Mark 2.22. He said, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. In other words, a new work requires a new way. And if you're up for a new work and a new way that God wants to bring into your life, say amen and just agree. And I believe God is going to do something special in these next few moments that I have with you. Well, recently in my area, I live very close to where this is actually being filmed. There'll be a whole bunch of roadworks going on. And I don't know if it's just the season we're in, but ever I seem to be driving, it seems to take that little bit longer because um, roadworks are happening. But here's the thing that I know about roadworks. They're extremely inconvenient. Coming out of my driveway, instead of taking 30 seconds, takes about five hours because I've got 20 million of these council workers, God bless them, with you know uh, their, their high vis on and their signs telling me to slow down, speed up, moving cones and all these things. And it's, it's thoroughly inconvenient. It takes me literally half an hour just to get out of my, of my area. But here's the thing that I notice when it comes to roadworks. When I come in, on the back end of that day to the same area where, where, that, where it, was, it was cluttered, it was busy, trucks and cars everywhere, there is something that I have a new level of appreciation for, the new work. The work that had it was, you know, it's, it's busy and it's cluttered, it's inconvenient. I have this amazing appreciation for this new work. And there's something that I'm learning in this current gap of COVID that I'm absolutely learning about new work is that we love the new, but we often don't like the work. That, that space in between where it causes us to dig deep and do something fresh and find a new way and maybe it's going to stretch your thinking or whatever it may be, it can often be inconvenient. But you know, when I look at Scripture and if you've been with us over these past um, two weeks, we've been going through the book of Philippians a chapter a week and I'm hoping you're reading that and really being encouraged by you know, the, the Apostle Paul as he writes to this church. But this author, you know, the Apostle Paul, you see the evidence of this message, a new work requiring a new way in his life. You know, when we actually meet the Apostle Paul and at then he actually, his name wasn't Paul. His actually name was Saul. And he was a Pharisee. He was a religious guy. And he was, he was adamant about going after Christians, going after the church. And we see him in Acts 7, where there's a guy named Stephen this guy's on fire for God. He's full of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, he, won't, he, he will not compromise on his faith. And yet here we see him outside of the city being stoned. And where do we find Saul, who would become Paul? He's there holding the robes of the guys that are actually stoning him. So this guy's completely anti the gospel. He's anti Jesus. He's anti the church. But here he is holding the robes of guys stoning a Christian. 
But then you fast forward a little bit and in Acts 9, he actually um, goes to the council of Pharisees and says, hey, can I actually get permission to, to, you know, go and take Christians and throw them into jail and just give them a hard time and persecute them? Friend, you might be watching this right now and as a Christian, as a believer, you might feel like you're being given a hard time. When it comes to the Apostle Paul, you are in great company. And you just see here, he, he starts on this road to, to Damascus and he has this radical encounter with Jesus. And then you find him, he actually goes into Damascus. And here is something that I found very comforting in the opening chapters of Apostle Paul's story when it comes to a new work requiring a new way. And you've got to check this out. When God wants to do a new work, someone say new work. Come on, help me preach this, right? When God wants to do a new work, not everyone will understand his new way. Check this out. The Apostle Paul has his radical encounter with Jesus. He goes to Damascus. God speaks to a guy named Ananias to say, hey, go and talk to Paul. He's the guy I'm actually choosing to do an incredible new work. But Ananias knows Paul, who was Saul. He knows his reputation, how he would go out and he would approve of the killing of Christians and persecution and throw them into jail. Yet here we find God talking to Ananias because Ananias didn't understand the new work that God was doing. But look what God says back to Ananias. And you'll find it in Acts 19, 15. I love this. The Lord Yahweh answered him, Arise and go. I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. That he's talking about Saul who would become Paul. He will be brought before kings, before many nations and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. I love that because we're in good company when we look at the Apostle Paul about this new work requiring a new way. You know, in um, 2018 going to 2019, I had the privilege of um, stepping into the school where I'm now a chaplain. And it was interesting because I was not looking to be a chaplain that wasn't kind of on the cards for me. And, but I just really sensed, hey, I'm going I'm to go in there for a meet and greet with the school. And, you know, I arrive at the school, um, I literally step on the premises and just going for a, like a 10 to 5 minute meet and greet and I meet um, the, the print that was there at the time and I meet her and then like 10 minutes later she says, hey, do you want to come into our staff meeting? Now, nothing had transpired at the time, she just got to know me, we were having a conversation and then I end up in the, um, the staff meeting with 150 staff members and it was all going well. But the next thing I know, this principal who I had met she stands up and she announces to the, whole, uh, to the whole staff saying, hey guys, I just want to introduce you to Derek. He's going to be your new chaplain for 2019. Friend, I wasn't expecting to go in there and get the job, but here's something I learned. A new work required a new way. And why do I say a new way when it comes to chaplaincy? Because I'm also, I get to be a pastor here at Lifehouse and I'm so privileged that I get to do that. But when I'm talking to Christians, I can talk to them all I want about Jesus and and all the great things about the Bible and the Word of God. But when I'm in a public school, I can't talk about Jesus. But guess what I can do? I can be like Jesus. And maybe you've heard this before. People may not believe the Bible you read, but they will read your life. I have the privilege of being an example to 1,200 young people, students at that school and 150 teachers. I may not be able to mention his name, but I get to represent him to a broken world every day. Friend, a new work requires a new way. And I'm so glad we get to see the evidence 
of this new work in the life of the Apostle Paul. I mean, it's so evident, but I love, uh, we've been going through a chapter a week, as I mentioned before, of the book of Philippians. And I, I parked at chapter three. And let me tell you how excited I was, because when you read chapter three of the book of Philippians, I'd encourage you, friend, jump in on it. It is absolutely amazing, because you see this incredible contrast in the first 11 verses of this chapter, you see this contrast that Paul is trying to, to demonstrate and illustrate to us of this old life that he had and this new work that God had done in him. And it's absolutely mind-blowing because Paul, if you knew who he was, he wasn't just some guy who was trying to have a go at Christians. He was actually an elite religious leader. He was, the Bible describes him as in this chapter as a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was training under one of the head guys, Gamaliel. He was set to be the next hot thing. But then he has this radical encounter with Jesus as we spoke about before in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus and his whole life changed. Friend, if you've met Jesus and you're watching this right now, do you remember that moment? Do you remember that moment when your life collided with Jesus and how nothing was the same. I remember that for me. I remember it was 13 years ago. It was at Nando's in Williamstown, down by the beach here in Melbourne. I met one guy, our senior pastor. You would have seen him preach last week. I, I met him and we had a three-hour conversation. He said nothing about God, Jesus or church, but he led me to this relationship that I now get to live in with Jesus. This is, the, this is what Paul was living from, this incredible encounter with Jesus. And he then goes on to say, you know, everything that I was before, that religious guy, the guy that was climbing the ladder in, in the synagogue and all these things, everything that I was before, check this out, I count it as rubbish. It's nothing in comparison to knowing Christ. And there's a beautiful verse in Philippians 3.10 where it says, I want to know Christ. In other words, I just, I'm dying and longing to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection. Friend, Jesus has got power for you. And it all starts by having that relationship with Him. And this is absolutely beautiful. And I love this because as you go on and flick over to verse 12 of Philippians 3, I love how this new work really carries purpose. Check this out. Paul says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness I'm pursuing. In other words, he's talking about this previous life he was living and now this new life he's experiencing with Jesus. And he says, I haven't got there yet. I haven't attained everything that I want to, but he says, but I run with passion. I love that picture. Come on, I love, I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. Friend, I just want you to know straight up, you have been created with purpose. God has got such a destiny for you just because crisis has hit, He hasn't forgot about you. Check this out. God's purpose for your life hasn't been cancelled because of crisis. Just because COVID entered, just because financial situations have changed, um, employment, relationship status, even though these things may change, God's call and purpose for your life is still on track if you are willing to align your life with His and allow His new work to require a new way. I love this passage. Paul writes to the church at Rome and he says this in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now, you might have been like me. I'm from the Western suburbs of Melbourne. I had to look up the word irrevocable, right? And look at the definition of irrevocable. I love this. 
not able to be changed, reversed, recovered, it's final. In other words, His call for your life, He's not gonna try to Indian give it. He's not gonna give it to you one minute, then take it back the next or go, or He all of a sudden go, wait a minute, I had a plan for you before, now it's not there anymore. Here's one thing you gotta know, when it comes to sin, God's got amnesia. When it comes to your call, He's more passionate for you to fulfill it than you are. He's waiting because when you are walking in your purpose, walking in your call, walking in this new work that requires a new way, His power actually gets exposed to planet Earth. Isn't that exciting that we actually get to be walking in His purpose and in His call? And you know, part of this whole Thrive series is giving you not even just permission, but really inspiring you to dream again. And I think for me, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this personally are the students I get to deal with on, on a daily. And it's almost like that life has robbed them of the opportunity to dream. And you know, I love going for walks with them, whether it's on the back oval or through the school courtyard. And I'm asking them questions like, hey, what are you passionate about? And when you start asking them what they're passionate about and they start talking about, um, they start talking about music or they start talking about fashion or they start talking about industry or trade, you can start seeing their eyes light up and it's almost like you're, you're giving them permission to start to dream again. And I say, hey, what are you actually gifted at? And funnily enough, usually the person's natural gifting aligns with what they're actually passionate about. And then I ask them a third question. And maybe you can be asking yourself these questions today is, hey, if, if money wasn't the issue, if you weren't, working for, um, for, you know, for a deposit in your bank account. What would you actually be doing? And friend, can I just tell you, that young person just seems to start to dream and you see life and you see their eyes light up. Friend, it's time to start dreaming again because God is doing something new and we get to be part of that new work. Friend, a new work requires a new way. You know, I've actually been excited over this time uh, of COVID. My wife and I, at the end of last year, we felt the desire to start um, a life group uh, for young adult couples, kind of, you know, under kind of 30 and couples, you know, um, many of you probably watching uh, at some stage were in my home, were in my life group. Remember those days when you could actually meet in homes together, you know, kind of shake hands, actually hug each other. You remember those days? They're coming back, people, so be, so you be ready for it. Um, I remember that we started that and we were going, it was going so well, we would have anywhere up to 10 to 15, some weeks, 20 couples uh, in our home and we absolutely loved it. But then COVID hit. We're like, and then, you know, I went back to my wife. We prayed. We're like, hey, babe, what are we going to do? And then we came across this, um, you know, this app, this kind of program that some of you may or may not be familiar with. It's called Zoom. Yeah, apparently it's like, it's like an epidemic now in itself. Everyone is using Zoom, right? So we um, got introduced to Zoom. We learned how to, um, you know, use the functions on it. And it was great. But funnily enough, these 10 or 20 couples it ended up, because we opened up, it was no longer couples anymore. We thought, hey, you know what? Let's just open it to anyone under 30. All of a sudden, it went from 20 people, then to 25 people, then to 37 people to date. And please, friend, I'm not here to impress you with numbers because I'm gonna give you a strategy in a second. We are now seeing over 45 to 50 young adults come to our life group every week. And a life group is an amazing space where you get to connect with each other and grow on your journey with Jesus together. But it's not only now 50 young people on a screen, we have now been able to raise up 10 other life group leaders within our life group who then host other groups. Because in Zoom, you can do breakout rooms. 
But here's the thing that I'm trying to get to you is that it's not to impress you with stats and figures, but to say that a new work required a new way. And I'm just so excited about what is to come. You know, friends, it may not look like what it used to look like. And you know what? I praise God for that. Because when God is up to something new, I wanna position my heart to follow His lead. He is a way better leader than you and I are. And I just wanna follow His footsteps as He leads us into this new work. Because friend, I want you to say it with me. A new work requires a new way. I hope you're being encouraged today. You know, but you continue on in Philippians 3. And, you know, verse 13 is kind of like the power punch of this message. And I got a real cool picture that I'm going to share with you in just a moment. But here in verse 13 is where you actually see this new work and new way intersect. And I'm going to to read it to you. In verse 13, it says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. And this can be really, really difficult. Have you ever tried to hold on to something, but then pick up something new? I mean, you can see me, I'm holding my iPad right here. And if I go to try to pick up, you know, my, um, this book in front of me, it's hard to do it with the same item in my hand. It's almost like I've got to put something down in order to pick something up. And here's something that I'm learning. I love this. It's, it's a simultaneous action because a new work requires us letting go and a new way requires us holding on at the same time. You know, recently we were down at a park with another family from church. Yeah, apparently you can do that now, which is cool, right? So we were down at the park and there's this young guy in our church and his name is Judah Beatty. This kid is an absolute legend. He's really close with my son and he's an absolute freak when it comes to the monkey bars. And I was watching this kid and it wasn't an overly long monkey bars, but he was literally going from one bar to the next, to the next. And he went up and down this set of monkey bars. We did a competition. We saw him do it with some other kids 40 times. And I was like, does this guy ever get tired? He was just like this machine, like he was like a robot just going from one to the other to the other. But here is something I noticed as I sat back and God is speaking to me about this message about a new work requiring a new way. You know, the, the, the cadence and the grace of swinging from one, one monkey bar to the other, it requires you to do something. It requires you to reach out for the next. Come on, come in here with me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. But it requires you to let go of the previous And as you keep doing that simultaneously, one bar to the next, to the next, the desire, it's designed to create momentum. Our year 2020 was the year of momentum. God was not phased by a so-called stop in the economic climate. And I'm, friend, please hear what I'm saying. I am very sensitive to all of this stuff, but I still believe God's up to something new. God is still on the move. He's still on His throne. He still wants to do a new work through His church. But when you see that monkey bar from one, to the other, to the other. It's designed to create momentum as we let go of the old and take hold of the new. And you know, when I I think about this picture of, you know, a new work taking place, we don't have to look any further than our Lord and Saviour Jesus. You wanna talk about a new work? Um, The angel Gabriel in all the gospels rocks up to Mary, Jesus' mum, and says, hey, 
a baby's going to be born to you, but you're going to conceive it by the Holy Spirit. You want to talk about God doing a new work? The girl was a virgin. Last time I checked, that hasn't happened in history or, or since. And yet here we see God doing this new work. Then you fast forward and as Jesus starts to live his life and then outworks his ministry, he was constantly bringing a new way to the point where before Christians were known as Christians, they were known as people of the way. And it's just amazing how God comes to planet earth and he just literally um, turns things upside down, right side up because he wants to bring a new work and he wants to do it in a new way. Can someone say with me, new work, new way. Come on, I believe God's got that for each and every one of us. But you know, there's a moment that Jesus, we see him in the garden of Gethsemane. It's towards the end of his earthly life and he's about to be crucified in a moment and be brought by soldiers. But you know, it's one of the most emotional, every time I read this, if I can just be transparent with you, I, I tear up because I think this is my saviour. He, he goes into the garden and he says to his three disciples, Peter, James and John, hey, wait here while, while I go a bit further to pray. And he goes and he's there having this dialogue with the Father. And the one thing I love about Jesus is he actually exposes his humanity in saying, hey, Father, if it is possible, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But here's the key. I love this part because you want to talk about a new work and a new way. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What was Jesus saying? Father, I'm letting go of what I actually want to do because my flesh right now is screaming at the thought of the pain I'm about to suffer. But what I'm going to choose to do is connect myself to your new way. Because friend, I'm going to say it again for you. A new work requires a new way. And I can't go past this. Jesus, he's just so amazing on how he does this. And friend, I know many of you watching right now may not know, just like I did 13 years ago, having that conversation, maybe like the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road or me at Nando's in Williamstown, having a moment where my life intersected with Jesus. If you're wanting your life to thrive, the first person you need to connect with is the one who is alive. Do you like that one? I'm going to say that again. If you're wanting your life to thrive, you need to connect with the one who is alive. And his name is Jesus. He's the one who gave his life to pay the price for your sin. He's the one who, who, who wore the crown of thorns on his head, the spear in his side, who resurrected from the dead. So now you can be connected in a lifelong eternal relationship with God the Father. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.